Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Well, folks, welcome to the free Savage Nation podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But for those of you who have been requesting that we provide for you an ad-free podcast, we're going to keep doing that. And in addition to getting the ad-free podcast, which many of you want, for less than the price of a beer in a bar a month, only $3.99 a month, you're going to get an occasional monologue from me. Maybe I'll read from one of my novels. You're going to get an archive piece going back to 1994. Whatever comes up, you're going to get on an occasional basis. Details will be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com. And if you want to join, simply go to michaelsavage.com and click on the exclusive club link. It's that easy. You're going to get things you can't get anywhere else. I appreciate it very much. I hope you join the Savage Exclusive Club. I want to thank you very much for supporting the Savage Nation podcast, either the free version or the paid version, your patronage. It's appreciated. It's that simple. Thank you so much for listening. Well, Jackie Mason recently passed away. He was a wonderful person. Now, I knew Jackie Mason. Doesn't mean we were personal friends, but I'm going to tell you some Jackie Mason stories. I think they're important for you to know. Where do I begin? I begin in the hotel in South Fallsburg, New York, where I was, I guess, a kid, 15, 14. I don't. I wasn't working there. I remember my family rented a 
house across the street in the in the woods from the hotel. It was the owner owned it, and we knew the owner. Who knows? So it was I and my cousins. It was beautiful summer for me. In fact, that's when I wrote "Love by the Sewer Plant." So I must have been out fifteen. I don't know how old I was. Anyway, so. That was a beautiful time in my life, just beautiful. Who knows when? We're talking mid-50s, right? All right, so it was a little hotel, not a fancy hotel. It was owned by a tough guy, ex-pugilist, Jewish guy, but a fighter, street fighter, then a boxer. Just an all-around tough guy. Uh, that's right, and his son, his son and I got in that auto wreck I told you about, speeding down the hill. That was another story for another time. So... Where does a Jackie Mason fit into this story? I remember seeing a ruckus going on at the swimming pool. I didn't know what it was. So I go over, and I see a guy in the pool with his head up, kept his head up, and his little, like it was like a cardboard suitcase, was in the pool with all of his life's belongings floating around. It was one of the saddest things I ever saw in my life. Apparently... The bastards, the busboys and waiters, threw him in the swimming pool as a joke. They considered him a, a schmuck. He had gone on stage the night before and failed. The audience didn't laugh at his jokes. They didn't get it. They never heard of him. And they were just, they're brutal. I mean, you know, audiences can be devastating. Ask any live performer. Just, so the owner fired him. So as he's leaving the next day, the uh, bastards, the waiters and the busboys, they were pretty bad guys, most of them were just, you know, not bad in the sense of today of shooting people, just bad souls. They mocked him, set him up, tripped him and threw him in the pool. So he's in the pool, but here's what I remembered. I didn't know who the guy was. He never lost his smile. He wouldn't give in and show them that he was defeated or angry. He went along like it was part of the act, part of a joke. Okay. Fast forward, the same Jackie Mason. I don't know whether it was years later or whatever, was actually dating one of my sister's friends. He was in the circulation of the girls from Queens. He was from Brooklyn. None of them liked him. He was like a schlemiel kind of guy. The next thing we know, he's a huge hit years later with the world according to me, and that's Jackie. Now we speed the thing up again. I'm just doing Jackie memories. I don't know how many years ago, 10, Las Vegas. I'm there for a convention with my son and his business. And Jackie's performing in a hotel. We buy tickets like everyone else. And this guy was funny. I mean, he was so good. His timing was so hot. He had an audience of young people laughing their asses off. And so at the end, we got to see him. I reminded him I knew him from the old hotel days, and he didn't remember. Then he did. And I remember this about Jackie. This was an interesting thing about him. I told him about my son and how successful he was and that he had a Ferrari at the time. And Jackie was very, he has a Ferrari? You have a Ferrari? You really have a Ferrari? That's how he was. He was very into like, he was still into status symbols. Now we speed up. Not a big story. This is a sad part. For the last year of his life, he still wanted to be on my show and my radio show, and I was still on the radio. And there was nothing left to talk about. He was no longer that active or that funny. He had lost his punch. And all I can say is this, and it's not funny. It'll affect me as well as anyone else in the talking business or the business of talking and entertainment. 
old comedians never die. They just lose their timing. I'm Michael Savage. I'll be right back. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Today we're taking a good break from politics. We're going to do comedy. And it's all about Jackie Mason, who died, I think, just about a week ago at age 93 or so. I'm very lucky because I knew him when I was young. I'm not saying we were friends, but I have three amazing interviews for you when he visited the Savage Nation radio show. The first one is from February of 2007. Jackie Mason had just written an article about how the media is down on saying Merry Christmas. Absurd, right? He said, who does that offend? Well, Jackie came on the show and in his humorous way, talked about who was behind it, politics of the day, George W. Bush, what he thought of him, and even food. Listen, you're going to love it. Back from 07, Jackie Mason visits the Savage Nation. Joining us on a line from New York City is a man who has made his career not by being a pessimist, but by being a humorist. His name is Jackie Mason, my favorite performance artist. Mr. Mason, Jackie, welcome to the Savage Nation. Yeah, how do you do? Thank you. Thank you for the fantastic introduction. It's nice to know I'm such a big hit with you. <laughs> that you've made the- Jack- Jackie, no, but you wrote a great article about Merry Christmas. I mean, you're, you're so right. Who, who takes offense at that? I think that this this is a strange, weird, sick country we live in, where some idiot or, or one individual, someplace, anywhere, any maniac could decide to deliver a protest and make a movement out of it, and nobody knows who he represents. Who's the constituency for this kind of a story? There's, I can't find a Jew. You'd have to hire a CIA man, or you'd have to walk around for a year and a half to find one Jew that's offended by the words "Merry Christmas." Where you <laughs> well, no, I understand that, but is it being brought by Jews? or by the same forces that want to take God out of the pledge, etc.? Yeah, a certain amount of people, they call them secularists. What they really are are just lowlifes. <laughs> yeah, I agree, Jackie. So how do we fight them? By making a mockery of them? There are certain class of people who are self-conscious about the vulgarity of their lives, the obscenities of their behavior. We don't want to be disturbed by, by a decent person with a good conscience. But they, want, they don't want their conscience being disturbed by their behavior. So they don't want to hear anything that represents decency, morality, anything that will control in any way the kind of preposterous, vulgar, ugly behavior that they represent. And they want to. And you're in, and you're in the entertainment business. I mean, coming from you, though, those are pretty strong words. I really admire you. I'm pointed up about this issue, and I couldn't wait to get on the on the air with you to talk about it. Could you believe that a society where where vulgarity, where pornography is protected? as freedom of speech, and they name me amendments to the Constitution, they all become constitutionalists and lawyers to protect pornography, rap singing, which represents killing, plundering, and murdering. This is allowed. But if in the same store that you sell all this pornography and all the rap songs, if you hung up beside Merry Christmas, <laughs> that's the only thing that would be censored. Unbelievable. Popular and protected, but love is a dirty word. Merry Christmas only represents love. You see, there's something wrong with a with a country where where would you imagine how, what kind of perversion this is that a short Jew like me should have to protect the Gentiles? I'm accustomed to. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's very funny. That's very funny, but it's it's kind of sad, Jackie, that that it's come down to this. 
uh, as as a, you're you're a man who trained to be a rabbi and then became a uh, a comedian, but here you are in the midst of the culture wars yourself. That's what I'm trying to tell you. This is an unbelievable role I'm playing here. It's a strange, weird role reversal. It's as if Mike Tyson should come to me to protect him in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you in a live performance these days? I was on B every year and a half. I do a new show. I knock around in the comedy clubs of America for three, four months to develop and create all the material to perfect and hone and polish it, so that I could come back to Broadway with a totally new show. Because the critics watch me like a hawk. If they hear one joke in the next show that they heard in the last show, I'm already wiped out in a second. The great pride is to be able to catch somebody with a mistake. To them, it's a fatal mistake. If I even say hello the second time, they heard it before. I'm wiped out. I can't even wear the same pair of shoes from one show to the other. <laughs> if they recognize the same shoe, I have to even change my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> so when you come to San Francisco, are you allowed to perform here in this crazed city? Because, you know, you don't support their uh, their, their methodology out here. Well, it's funny you should say this because I noticed that in Los Angeles, I'm packed and sold out in 10 seconds for three months when I come to L.A. In San Francisco, I'm lucky if I could do three days. But by the second day, I'm half empty. The third day, I can't even find a Jew in the neighborhood. <laughs> well, I tell you what, Jackie. The next time you're going to perform in San Francisco, if you give me a little heads up and come on the show a couple of weeks ahead, I guarantee you, I'll sell it out for you. Well, I got news for you. That's a good offer. I don't think I won't keep it in mind. I've no, no, I, I fill audiences, Jackie, but I can't do live performance the way you can. It takes a very, very unique personality. To be able to face the people on a on a daily basis, radio is a little different. Didn't you? Are you still in radio? Didn't you do radio for a while? Yeah, I periodically do radio shows. I do whatever I can. I'm an egomaniac by nature, and anybody wants to listen to me, I'm ready to talk. I don't. Care <laughs> I don't care what the media is. Show me an empty room, I start talking. <laughs> the Savage Nation. It's Savage on demand. Back with more from my rare interviews with Jackie Mason. Jackie, you know, sometimes I've talked about early Jackie Mason uh, uh, stories. When I was a very small kid, I keep talking about the story. You may have heard it. You may have heard someone tell you I talked about it a few weeks ago. I was a kid at the Hotel in South Fallsburg, New York. Oh, my God. That's right. And you appeared the first one of the first nights on stage. And the owner threw you out. He was a, an ex-pugilist, a boxer. He was a real tough guy. He said, you're finished. You didn't sell to the people, uh, blah, blah, blah. And the guys, you were saying goodbye to them. They threw you in the pool. And I've told the story. But And I said, I didn't know who the guy was. He was a very young comedian, but all his belongings were floating around from his little cardboard suitcase. I said, but he didn't get mad. He didn't cry. He didn't yell. He didn't scream. He looked at them and laughed at them. He wouldn't give them the satisfaction to know that they tricked him. And I said, I knew that guy had the guts of a lion, and that was you. That's, that's a very touching story, because I remember every word of it. Very, it's amazing to me to hear it be played right now by you, because I remember every word of what you just explained. Exactly Isn't it true? Isn't it true? The bastards threw you in the pool. They made believe they were saying goodbye. I was a kid. I thought it was the most horrible thing I'd ever seen anyone do to another man just for a little fun at another man's expense. Clearly, and I looked at them like dirt and garbage, and I said to myself, what, what the strength and guts it takes, what manliness it takes to abuse a helpless little guy who, who has, hasn't got the strength to get off a chair, the, the shape I was in at that time. <laughs> 
to be able well, to. But you, yeah, but Jackie, you showed them. The point of the story is not to in any way ridicule you. It's to show that I saw a fighting spirit in this guy. And, of course, it, the business you're in or the business I'm in is not very easy. It's a daily struggle, isn't it? Right. I always had a violent determination to succeed, and I find that uh, that's 90% of the reason for anybody's success. It's guts and determination. When they take polls and studies of the most successful men in America, or women, they, they, you always have to be careful. As soon as you say men, say women, otherwise you're already in trouble. <laughs> but when they take studies of them, they always find that the distinguishing factor of the great success of anybody is always the one void, determination. The inability to say die or to ever give up and to go counter to anybody's opinion, never be concerned or disturbed by anybody's naysaying. They never, nothing, there's no negation of, of that sick need, that, that desperate drive to succeed. It's some kind of neurosis that's, that's, that exists in some people. And I know, I, I know that it basically is a neurotic compulsive thing, but, uh, but I'm happy I have it because I've, I've enjoyed life with it. Well, here leads us to the to the real story. It's eating me alive. This battle in Iraq. If we don't crush the Islamo-fascist enemy there, whether we should have been there or not is irrelevant now. Now, does George Bush, in your mind, have this violent determination to succeed? Is does he have this neurosis that's necessary to win? That's what I'm worried about. I'm sure he has it. I can tell he has it because as I was crying the blues for the fact that he was laying low and he was was unresponsive to all the criticism and he was looked helpless, his reaction seemed dulled and flattened and, and he looked like he was bored or helpless with the job. All of a sudden, the last week and a half, he started to blow up and started to attack. And he's, now he's attacking almost every day. And he's all of a sudden, he's, and I think that he and Karl Rove got together and decided that let them blow their tops first, let them call us all the names they please, and at the right time, we're going to start a counter-crusade. And that, that's what they just now did. I think it was a matter of strategy. But but I think the strategy was stupid. Because because they had, you remember under Clinton, they had that uh, that room called the fighting room, the, the what did they call that room? The war room, the war room. The war room, right. The war room. As soon as the guy said it, they answered him because they didn't let these accusations fester. If you call a guy a lowlife ten times by the by the eleventh time, everybody believes it. It, it, mm. it. It's stupid to wait that long before you answer them because it already sunk in too long, too often. The stupid. Now you know, Jackie. This leads me to a very sensitive political and and ethnic statement. Shouldn't he have more Jewish advisors telling him how to react to his enemies? Hey, this guy, that the head of the Republican National Committee, what's his name, Melman, is Jewish. Uh, yeah, he's about as Jewish as my dog is. I mean, uh, he he is to Jews what my dog would be to uh, to to bull t the bulldogs. What do you what do you what do you give him a different title is besides the point. He's a born Jew and he's a and he and he mentions that he's Jewish. He's even practicing Jew. And there's another guy. No, but my point is this: a street, a street smart Jewish guy like you would have a, a way of explaining things to the people that's a little different than this country club, hands-off, distant uh, republicanism that is not really selling or gripping with the people. That's what I'm getting at. You just hit on the most pathetic part. But even if he has the best advice, the most pathetic part is his inability to express himself. His his lack of, of talent for for just talk. He just he looks so helpless and confused when he's trying to be for him. He looks even more helpless. The the harder he tries, the less weights come out. He looks like he's struggling within himself, like a man who has no confidence, like he can't believe he got the job. When you watched him as a governor, he was glib. He was smooth. He was he was uh, he was a real talker. 
and all of us, he looked like he should have had his own radio show. As soon as he got this job, he looked like he, he felt like he was in over his head, and suddenly was so amazed that he was that he had it that he couldn't. He, he looked too tense and nervous to even be able to express himself since then. But Unbelievable! Right now, on a conversation show, on a talk show, he's glib and sharp and smart and fast. Now you, you call it a press conference, and as soon as a, uh, any 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 man has the question, he'll become so stymied and helpless. As soon as they take out the pencils and paper and face him directly, he looks like, oh, my God, what kind of a mistake am I going to make now? <laughs> How about his press secretary? This guy sweats before the press conference starts. He was just attacked. He was just hit by a truck. And he's wondering, how the hell do I get out of this? <laughs> That's why he has such very few press conferences. <laughs> no matter. He looks like he's, like you can't rehearse him or, or convince him to just get the words out. Every time you see him, his hands are busy and his mouth is not working, so he keeps repeating the same phrase. We'll smoke him out and we'll bring him to justice. Ask him, <laughs> ask him anything. What time is it? First, we'll smoke him out. <laughs> then we'll bring him to justice. What else? That's yeah. it. Then yeah. The, the, we'll hunt down the evildoers. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, what do you eat? What's your favorite dish? Well, I'll tell you the truth. Yeah, I, I love anything with sauces on it. That's why I don't like American food. To me, every food is interesting except American food. There's nothing more bland than preposterous. Every time you want to have a, a good dinner, everybody says, let's go for Italian, let's go for French, let's go for Spanish, let's go for Mexican. Uh, yeah, I, I hardly ever hear a guy say, you want to eat something real tasty, let's go to an American restaurant. There's nothing <laughs> there. There's nothing there that's tasty. You get a piece of fish that lays there like a dead horse, and that's it. You know, my mother, Jackie, in the last few years in Florida, she was in an assisted living. She wouldn't talk to me about anything. Didn't care about the bestsellers, the radio, nothing. All she'd say to me was, I had Italian last night or I had uh, Chinese last night. <laughs> and I used to get I used to get mad at her until it dawned on me that at the end of your life, it all breaks down to whether you eat Italian or Chinese. That's all that really matters. That's funny because that's very true. I do hours of material like this in my act. I see Gentiles are only talking about one thing. Where do we have a drink? A drink? And the Jews are always saying the same thing. Did you eat yet? <laughs> Jackie, I'll let you go. I really appreciate it. I, I wish you luck. Well, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I listen to you very often. I know all your shtiklach. And I'm happy to say hello to you and to talk to you in person. God bless you. All right. And I'll take you to the best Italian food uh, west of the Rockies, Jackie. God bless you, man. Keep it up. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Now, my second radio interview with Jackie Mason occurred in August of 2015. We talked about how 98 prominent Hollywood celebrities back the Iran nuclear deal. You heard me right. I guess they want Iran to have nukes. And how the Hollywood crowd is always on the wrong side of every issue. We also touched on his views on Hillary Clinton. I think some of it's hilarious. Let's listen. Jackie Mason, welcome to the Savage Nation. Jackie, a real honor to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure, my friend. Happy Jackie, to Jackie, I'm eating my kishkas out. Over a story I read this morning, 98 prominent Hollywood Jews back the Iran nuclear deal in an open letter. How can you how can you deal with this? I'm not surprised the Hollywood crowd is always on the wrong side of every issue. They're always so super liberals. 
and they always support anything that's said by anybody who's liberal. If they hear a liberal voice, they don't know what he said, they're not sure, they never read a paper, they're basically a mob of ignorant people, they're just egomaniacs who spend their whole life standing in front of a mirror. <laughs> if you talk to them, anything but themselves, they never heard about it, they never saw it, but have an opinion on it. And they have it, and then they become furious because they hear that the conservatives or the Republicans are on this side, and they know, all they know is that they're on the other side. They don't know why, they don't know what the subject is. You could bet your life that all these people who just signed this don't know what they signed. They didn't even have a piece of paper in front of them. <laughs> all they know is which side is the president on. And they know That's it. Liberal. So, so Jackie, Jackie, they sign a letter saying give Iran the bomb so they can kill Jews and their Jewish members of Hollywood? Are they crazy? Do you know that when they take a poll in Hollywood of the opinions of the actors, by far the biggest percentage of them are not even in favor, are not in favor of Israel against the Arabs. They're, they're on the Palestinian side of the issue. It's hard to believe. It's unimaginable. When you tell this to people, do you know the Democrats, the Democratic Party membership? Remember at the convention when they when they mentioned the idea of Jerusalem should belong to Israel, that Jerusalem should be an Israeli city? Yes, I do remember what happened. Yes, the Democrats voted against it. Against it. They started booing it. They started booing the country. The uh, the Hollywood crowd hates Israel. You would think Israel is is, is a Nazi organization. <laughs> they hate Israel more than the Nazis. <laughs> they hate Israel more than they hated Hitler. So here's another one for you, Jackie. Hillary, uh, the FBI picked up Hillary Clinton's email server, and guess what, Jackie? It was blank. It was blank. Right. What do you think about that? She doesn't say they picked it up. She says she gave it to them. She gave it to them because they were there with the there were twelve FBI men standing in front of her, and they said, "Where is it?" So she says, "I gave it to them." You would think she came to their house, and she purposely surprised them with it. You would think she volunteered it. You would you would think she did them a personal favor to make sure they have more evidence, so they decided to help them out. It turns out they were standing in front of them, twelve FBI men with their guns in their faces. You know what's going to happen? The the Clinton machine is very powerful in this country. She and her husband could get away with anything. I won't be surprised if the FBI winds up in jail. <laughs> oh, that, oh, for breaking the law, for even for breaking for breaking the law. For disturbing her because they came into an hour too early. They said. Yeah, no, that's true. I didn't. I didn't think of it that way. They did disturb her. She's in the middle of a very important campaign. You would never Jackie, uh, you know, Jackie, you don't remember me. This is very funny. You were on my show many years ago, 12, 15 years ago, and I once saw you backstage in Las Vegas with a group. You were very friendly, but I reminded you then that I was a kid at the hotel in, in South Fallsburg, New York. That was one of the first hotels you ever appeared in. Do you ever remember those nights, those early days? Sure, I remember those days very well. Those days I went from one hotel to the other every day. I was I did the same thing that uh, that Hillary does, but was taking a different position every day from one to the other. Do you know that <laughs> Hillary has been on, on, in almost every position on every issue 20 different times within an hour and a half? She has a foreign policy that's about 15 minutes. Then she hears that... Uh, Sanders is coming. She, Bernie Sanders has a different position, so she moves to his position. Then she hears that uh, Elizabeth Warren has another position, so she turns to that position. She, she turns left, turns right, turns left again, depending on who the opposition is and where it's coming from. If Elizabeth Warren went further left, she'd, she'd follow her all the way down off a cliff. 
because she has to make sure she outdoes Elizabeth Warren. Then she finds out that Bernie Sanders is going in the opposite direction. All of a sudden, she's on that side. She's been turning and twisting. She's getting dizzy from being from so many positions every 15 minutes. This this Yenta <laughs> has no conscience and, and no policy. The only she has no policy. The only policy is to run from the police. The police is a policy. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. More interview with Jackie Mason here on the Savage Nation podcast. Jackie, let me ask you something. You and I both come from New York. You're a little older than I am. But we know the type of Jewish communist that Bernie Sanders is, lifetime member of the radical socialist group since he's a child. How can this man attract such attention in a nation like this when he's such a schlemiel? I'm not at all surprised that he's attracting that much attention. It's all an anti-Hillary vote. People are so nauseous from her with her different positions on every issue every 15 minutes. She's such a floundering, preposterous character that they want anybody but her. They can't find anybody. So they saw a guy with a big mouth screaming, and they said, Thank God, at least there's somebody there. And they'll follow him any place just to get away from her. It's, it's, All right. Oh, no, that explains why. I mean, I, un, unto himself, the man is not that appealing. He looks like a typical 1930s ILGW socialist screaming on a, a, a on a soapbox in Union Square. That's right. He sounds ridiculous. He sounds preposterous. But they don't care. They don't care as long as they hear another voice coming from someplace. If you come from a sanitarium and they go there, they go any place to get away from her. <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay. Here's a tough one for you. I. I Jackie, I happen to favor Donald Trump. I, I Maybe I'm stepping into a quicksand with you. What do you think about Donald's candidacy? I think Donald, Donald Trump is a phenomenon. It's an unbelievably brilliant thing that's happening. Because we talk about people tapping in, tapping in, you hit away, tapping in, you think you're going to a vaudeville show. It sounds like it's vaudeville. Everybody is talking about tapping in, that he's tapping into a nerve to that is, represents the fact that everybody in America is nauseous and furious about the about politicians in general. Every politician makes a speech, and after the speech, he gets lost, and nothing happens. Then he makes another speech, nothing happens again. And they know these are recorded, meaningless speeches like Rubio. You ever listen to Rubio? Rubio. Oh. Rubio sounds like a broken record. He's, uh, when, when, Rubio sounds like a, a a kid, a child selling ice cream on the streets of Miami. Jackie, you're going to be performing October 24th, which is very uh, near to this date, in Westbury, New York, in, in Long Island, at the NYCB Theater. What will the performance be? Another one-man show, The Life According to Me? What's it going to be? Every time I do a show, it's, uh, there's no one specific subject or one issue. I talk about everything that's happening in general, everywhere in America or everywhere in the world. But what I talk about the, the presidency. I talk about what a preposterous system the presidency is. Take a look at take a look at the way they run these uh, these debates. Is there anything more idiotic than the debates? You have one minute to express all of your thoughts about foreign policy, America, domestic policy, anything that's happening everywhere in the world, and you have to do it in one minute. If you happen to breathe a little slow, oh, oh, you lost the debate, and you have to. <laughs> 
and you have to make sure you tell a better joke than the next guy because they don't remember any policy or any position. They just remember who told the best one-liner or the best joke. The next day, that's all they're talking about. So it becomes a comedy contest. If this was 50 years ago, Groucho Marx would be the president. <laughs> <laughs> so are you a fan of Megyn Kelly, the the woman who attacked Donald Trump? I don't. I mean, you probably saw right through her act, right? But that was such a phony, stupid, preposterous question that she asked him, and then she followed up with a more preposterous question, and then, then you know what happens? What happens is that a guy like him is liable to become president because he doesn't have any credentials. This is the only job in the world is the presidency of the United States where you have to have no background, no credentials of any kind, and you have to prove that you don't know nothing about the subject in order to get the job. Did you ever hear of a job where you have to know nothing in order to get, even if you want to become a plumber, you have to prove you have experience in plumbing. <laughs> but to become a president, you have to have no experience, no knowledge, no information, you have to have never heard anything about the job. Uh, in order to become a plumber, why do you think the toilets in America are working so perfectly, but the government is full of it? <laughs> well, that, that, take a look. Take a look at take a look at Barack Obama. He had no experience. Look where we are today as a result of it, and yet he gets away with it. The man still has charisma. How is it possible after so many disastrous policies and dragging America over the cliff of socialist in insanity, he still has a popularity rating that's so high? His popularity rating is so high because exactly because he doesn't know what he's doing. That's exactly why his popularity is so high. Because, listen to this, in America today, if you want to be a president, take a look at what happens. You have to know nothing about anything because there's no, there's no works, preparation necessary and there's no, and there's no standard. There's no, take a look at you from, they protect you from a bad haircut in this country. If you want to become a barber, you have to pass a test. The union demands that you guarantee, they have to graduate high school to become a barber. Did you know that you have to graduate high school? There's a standard to become a barber, but there's no test to become a president. They protect, <laughs> they protect you in this country from a bad haircut. <laughs> I, you know, when you were, you were on, you were a couple of weeks ago, you said something about people in New York City are, are more protected from a bad tuna fish sandwich than they are from a nuclear weapon. What was that about? But that's what I said. I said this a number of times. This is so true. They give you 28 days. 28 days they give you, they give Iran to find out exactly what he's doing over there with creating a bomb. They give him 28 days notice. So for 28 days they assume he's going to do nothing. He's just going to wait to show you the bomb. For 28 days he could put the bomb in the toilet. He could leave it in the kitchen. No fear. He could do whatever he wants with it. Days to show you the bomb. But it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing in the, in New York City. When they inspect when they inspect the restaurant, they give you no notice. You just pop in and you catch them if they 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 put a bed in the fish. There's no protection. Jackie, Jackie, you're the greatest satirist of our time. I love your humor, and I hope that the people will visit your website, JackieMason.com, and they will flood the Westbury. NYCB Theater on October 24th to see the Mark Twain of our time, the Yiddish Mark Twain of our time. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. It's a pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much. What a kicker. 
Michael Savage, a host like no other. The third and last interview with Jackie Mason was from August of 2020, where we discussed the COVID lockdown and many other topics, including Joe Biden and President Trump. I think you're going to love these. Listen carefully. This is the Savage Nation. Right now joining us is the one and only great World According to Me star, Jackie Mason on the Savage Nation. Jackie, welcome to the program. How do you do? How do you do? I'm happy to talk to you, even though I'm not making a living from it. But I'm very happy to talk to you. Not many people would want to talk to you right now, would I? <laughs> well, what are we? What are not many people? Let me ask you something. What are you doing in the lockdown? How do you spend your time locked down in an apartment in New York? The truth of the matter is, I don't. I don't even notice that it's a lockdown because I don't listen to these things, and I heard that it's dangerous to walk, to talk. If you sit down, it's a problem. You get up, it's a bigger problem. You have to have two people six feet from you. The bump person's allowed to be a, a step and a half from you. You have to judge everybody, and you have to measure yourself all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, do you wear a mask when, when you wear a, you wear a mask in New York City? You have to wear a mask to go out, don't you? You can't. You have to mask even in the toilet. You, have, uh, you wear a mask in the toilet. Well, that I understand. You know, at a certain age, you got to wear a mask in the toilet, whether there was COVID or not. Because you go back and forth now. When you're first born, they have a diaper for you because the main thing is the toilet. And then when you become an old man, it's the same thing again. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jackie, let me, come on, really. Are you in lockdown there in New York? What are you doing all day long in your apartment? The truth of the matter is, I'm... Uh, I'm, I'm very busy. I'm busy picking out chairs. Sometimes I sit on this one. Sometimes, <laughs> and I'm very busy picking out rooms. Sometimes I go to the kitchen. Then I spend a few hours. Then I try, I see how long I should be. Really no, but it's true. It's very. It's very zen. It's a very very zen thing to do. It's like raking uh, sand. Jackie, let me ask you something. I know that you came from a long line of rabbis in your family, and you're the first guy to go outside of the rabbinical field and become a great, great hit as, as an entertainer. But to some people, religion is the greatest comedy act ever. What do you think of that? Because the truth of the matter is I don't see anything funny about religion. To me, religion was a great hardship. That's why I wound up a comedian, because <laughs> if you're an Orthodox Jew, there's almost nothing you're allowed to do. Every everything is forbidden. Everything is forbidden. There's nothing that's kosher. If it is kosher, it's not kosher enough because we're more orthodox than other religions. <laughs> if you go to a shul, you have to measure the synagogue. If it has a tall ceiling, you're not allowed to be there. If the floor is crooked, you're not allowed to. All kinds of judgments you have to make. <laughs> I know you're always second guessing. Is a how do people claim they're orthodox Jews and they work in talk radio, make millions of dollars? There's one phony who does. It. How does he do that? How does he get away? How could you be an Orthodox Jew and be in talk radio and make millions of dollars? I don't understand that. Because I made millions of dollars not from not from talking on the radio. You make me. No, no, you did. You did as a comedian. You were the funniest guy in the world. I met you live in Las Vegas. I also met you at the hotel. Remember? Remember I mentioned you on the phone, that guy who ran at an ex-boxer? That, you remember him at the hotel in, in South Fallsburg, New York? There was a boxer there. 
Yeah, yeah, he used to own the hotel. He was a mean SOB, Jewish guy, a boxer, tough guy. And if he didn't like the workers, he beat them up and threw them off the premises. Today, you can't do that. I had no idea. I didn't even remember the boxer owned the place. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, everyone was afraid of that guy. His son was a nut, a complete nut, almost killed me in a car wreck. Then the father blamed it on me. The kid was a nut. He was speeding down a hill in South Fallsburg, and I said, slow down. He crashed into a mountain. We almost fell into a river. And when the father told the story the next day, he said, my son saved Michael's life because he, he would have died otherwise. <laughs> he twisted everything. But what are you going to do? People are nuts. I understand you're doing some kind of performance online now. What are you doing? I'm doing very little. That's why I have time to talk to you. Oh, nice put down. No, come on. The guy told me you're doing some kind of performance on there. Cameo. Cameo. What are you doing on Cameo? If I was busy, you think I'd be a phone talking for nothing? Basically, I'm I'm retired, but I still do a club date here and there. I own a, only a private date. In other words, if there's a bar mitzvah someplace, and the guy is a billionaire and he wants to pay me a fancy dollar, like seven million or thirty-six million, I only work for the millions in the area of millions. Would you take ten thousand? I would. I would take fifty dollars if nobody was listening. But as as Jackie, come on. Are you, I was told you're appearing on Cameo in some kind of performance. What is it you're doing? I'm doing on Cameo. You know what I'm doing? I'm doing I go on Cameo. I charge $300. When I started out, I, had, I got $200. Now at my age, I'm only charging $300. But what is it? You have to pay 300 bucks to watch you on a Cameo performance? Is that it? Right, right. I wish somebody a happy birthday. Oh, or somebody calls me up because they just married a Gentile. <laughs> so how, how much do they pay to, if, for you to take a call from someone? What does it cost? Three hundred dollars. That's it. What for you to talk to them like a, like a psychiatrist? I, I talk to them from for a minute just to wish them whatever it is that they're celebrating. What and they get a, and you get a hundred bucks for that? Three hundred. Just to say hello for a minute. So what am I wasting my time for? Giving it away for nothing. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so you mean maybe I should leave radio and just charge people to call me and hear my voice for 300 bucks? That's not a bad deal. That's right. It's not a bad deal. I'm talking, right I'm talking to you, I already lost $800. <laughs> so how do people call you if they want to pay to hear Jackie? What do they do? They buy me on Cameo. But how? Has anyone find you? How do you buy... <sighs> Cameo, Jackie. Uh, what is it? Cameo.com or Jackie.com? Right. What is it? I don't know what it is. How does anyone reach you? What if they want to pay you to hear your voice? This is it for $300. They have to. But no one knows how to reach you. How do they reach you? Jim, what do, I get? What do they call? Oh, Cameo.com and you look up Jackie Mason? I'm asking somebody here. Oh, I understand. You got to ask someone who runs the show to tell you how to make a dollar off it. Jackie, are you still religious? Come on, get back to the show here with me. Forget about money for a minute. Jackie. Cameo. Ja- Jackie, you come from a religious background, and you became an entertainer and a very, very successful one. Do you still think about God? I think about God, but the truth in my is I'm not exactly in touch with him because I committed so many crimes. As an Orthodox Jew, my whole life is a life of crime. When you travel, it's a crime. If you travel in the wrong direction, it's another crime. If you, if you go to a delicatessen, if it's not kosher, it's a crime. <laughs> it's not kosher. No, so what happens, do you think, when you die? What happens to a person when they die, if they committed such, such, such sins? When they die, a person like this is never buried. He goes for his last walk. You, you don't get buried because you committed sins? No, you're supposed to go for a walk. 
Do you remember you remember that famous Lenny Bruce joke from uh, the 50s when he comes home and he has a tattoo on his arm and his Aunt Minna sees the tattoo on his arm and she screams, Oy vey, you have a tattoo, you can't be buried in a Jewish cemetery. She so says, Aunt Minna, don't worry about it. When I die, you can cut my arm off and bury in a Gentile cemetery, bury me in a Jewish cemetery. Do you remember that joke? I never, I never heard that joke. No, you say, I got to tell you the jokes and you're on the show to tell me jokes and you're not telling them. I'm, I'm, I'm a much better comedian than anybody else, so I never bothered to listen to their jokes. Oh, okay, that's like saying... Yeah. Because compared to me, I don't believe anybody I would call a real comedian. Okay, got it. So what about Donald Trump? You said you want to come on the show to support Donald Trump. Why don't you want to vote for uh, uh, Joe Biden? Joe Biden, I, I, he can't even finish a sentence. When I was two years old, I spoke better than him. He starts a sentence and he doesn't know where it's going to go. So he starts mumbling, trying to remember what the sentence was about. Then he takes a look to find out he doesn't remember even where the, where the microphone is. Then he can't remember where he put the sentence. Then he's looking in, he doesn't know which way to look. Then he doesn't know which, how to talk. He doesn't, he doesn't know. So, so have, you, have you met President Trump, Jackie? I, I, President Trump hired me a hundred thousand times for shows. Where? Mar-a-Lago? Everywhere in Mar-a-Lago and, and, and all of his Atlantic City places. Oh, you used to work in the, in the clubs there in Atlantic City. But I mean, since he became president, have you seen President Trump? Yeah, I saw him about uh, a month ago. He, about a month ago, he came to see me. Uh, I met him in a restaurant, Fiorello's. We made an appointment. Well, you, did you have to wear a mask to eat in there? I don't even wear a mask. I had to wear a towel too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jackie, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. So, in other words, if a people want to call you for their birthday, a bar mitzvah, a funeral, they go on. What do they go on? What do they? I never heard of this service. Jim, Cameo, they go on Cameo.com and look up Jackie Mason, and, and then for 300 bucks, you talk to them for a minute? Unbelievable. All right, Jackie, I wish you the best. You're the greatest. Thanks for being on the Savage Nation. For those of you who have been requesting that we provide for you an ad-free podcast, we're going to keep doing that. And in addition to getting the ad-free podcast, which many of you want, for less than the price of a beer in a bar a month, only $3.99 a month, you're going to get an occasional monologue from me. Maybe I'll read from one of my novels. You're going to get an archive piece going back to 1994. Whatever comes up, you're going to get on an occasional basis. And if you want to join, simply go to michaelsavage.com and click on the exclusive club link. It's that easy. You're going to get things you can't get anywhere else. And thanks for supporting the Michael Savage Podcast. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed and learned something from it. And I want to remind you of something that I think is important for you to know. We have over 280 Savage Nation podcast episodes available to you absolutely free. I'll say that again. You can go back into this vast library of over 280 episodes and listen to any one of them or several of them at your leisure. So you never have to be without the Savage Nation. Thank you very much for listening.